Good evening, and welcome back to the Across the Tracks podcast. Here we are at, uh, I think it's July the 11th, and uh, we've been away for a while, um, got some adventures to talk about, and glad you're here with us tonight. We're back, looking forward to some stimulating conversation tonight, and I'm Wayne in the mix. And I'm Steve, and it's good to be back, it's good to be on the airways. And uh, it's, it's been a few weeks since we've done this, so it's, it's good to get back at this. And we'll give you a perspective, our perspectives on uh, topics that we feel that we want to discuss. So that's Absolutely. where we are, and we'll uh, move from there. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's said it's been a minute, uh, so we, we've been away, and some of that away time was uh, me being uh, spending a couple of weeks in our old hometown um, on my side of the tracks. I was actually all over the place, but primarily on my side of the tracks there. And uh, we'll have some reflection on that. I want to add some reflection on that. But it was good time. Had a lot of fun. There over the 4th of July um, in our old hometown, so we can chat about that. But tonight we got a few topics we want to get into, and I'm going to jump right into it, man, um, and get. I'll let you kick it off, your perspectives on the release of Bill Cosby from prison, and that has a lot of folks in an uproar, needless to say why, uh, but he is out of prison, and um, purely, it, uh, apparently it appears to be a technicality. Um, but the law is the law. Uh, he's out. And uh, I'd like your reflections on uh, your feelings on Mr. Cosby being a free man now. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I think he should still be in there. Um, the technicality, I mean, when you go by the letter of the law and, you know, they didn't do him right. They screwed up technically, and it cost him and allowed him to get out. Now, he was America's father back in the 80s, early 90s, and produced some shows that, that followed the Cosby show and so on. Uh, we, we cannot look past the fact that he was responsible, as far as the court said, in his, in his trial for drugging these women and taking advantage of them. You know, you must pay for that. However, right. however, um, when the courts or when the laws aren't met correctly, then you have to find a correction for that. As long as he is out, I feel he should go sit his ass down someplace, shut up, and just go away. You know, you open your mouth, you're just gonna you're just gonna add more hatred, you're gonna add more people that's gonna have a judgment and so on. So just go just go away. You know? You can't see a damn thing anyway, so, right. <laughs> you know, don't mean that you can't feel your way around certain things. But, uh, yeah, I just, I just just hope he just fades into obscurity. How about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree 100 percent, man. Uh, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, the law made a made a boo boo. And, you know, it, yeah, people don't like it, but 
you know, that's how it is, man. I mean, that's we always say, um, you know, the justice system is fair. I mean, we've seen instances where that's not the case. But normally it's like if someone has been wrong, you know, that wrong uh, should be righted. And in this case, he agreed to one thing and was prosecuted for something else. And the judge said, nope, can't do that. So it's unfortunate. But, yes, I agree. Go sit your behind down, man. You're, what, 80? What is he, 85 or something like that? He's in his 80s. He's in his 80s. You can't see. Go sit your ass down and be quiet, man. Just (laughs) just fade into obscurity, man. But you're angering people, as you said, by opening your mouth. Uh, I heard he's thinking about doing a show, man. I'm I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, nobody's on, gonna, nobody's gonna produce that show. No, but I mean, if it, I mean, I'd be curious it, to see who would put their name to producing that show, and then have their name dragged through the mud because you're you're basically supporting this guy in what he's trying to do. It's like go sit down, dude. You know this the same similar to OJ, man. OJ gets out. No, oh, I think everybody knows has a feeling about OJ. But dude, you were, you were out of prison. You, you escaped what what you escaped, and then you're up in Vegas trying to rob somebody to get your stuff back, <laughs> and and now you got jammed up and you said him back in prison. They finally got your butt. But uh, now I think he's learned. You don't hear nothing from OJ hardly anymore. Cosby yeah. needs to follow that. Go sit down, fade away into obscurity, and and let it be, man. Don't don't be out here. As they say, poking the bear about things, man. <laughs> and you know his his talent is is awesome. His talent was awesome. You know the entertainment part of it right. was awesome. You know, I mean, who had ever thought that the first black man on TV would be in a spy thriller? Right. You know, right. as in I Spy. You know, yep. he was that. Who yep. would have thought that? You know, you were the person that most of America thought that, you know, this is a group, this is a a family that we don't see all the time, but we know exists. And you provided that for white America. And you had the number one show for years. Okay. So, you know, his talent is, was there. Somebody just going to give him another chance to, come up with the show that's not wise no 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 um you had your time man you've had your time and uh what you did was wrong man you know you 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 took advantage of people um you put people in a situation that made them vulnerable because of what you did and uh you know you 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 paid for that you should still be paying for that but again man the technicality gets you out Take that as a as a I don't know if blessing is the right word, but you need to take that. And whoever's advising him, they need to say, uh, Mr. Cosby, uh, just go over here, man, and sit down, go back to your home, wherever you're living and just read a book. Well, not to my friend, that's a bad yeah. example. You ain't reading Jack. Yeah, learn Braille. Something. Go go do something else, man, and stay out of sight, man. You you you're I don't know. He. That's that's uh, that's that ego thing, man. That's that ego thing, and you're you're not that guy anymore. You're not right. that guy anymore. You're you're a you're a felon, so to speak, and uh, 
take take what you got from the courts, take that technicality and go sit your ass down and and just let it be, man. Don't <laughs> don't be out here antagonizing <laughs> the situation any more than you already have. Yep. 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 All right. All right. So, um, a segue into that, let's, you know, something a little bit more lighter, so to speak. Um, the NCAA last week while we were away, they issued a ruling that now college athletes can profit from their image, the use of their name, their likeness, which is long overdue in my opinion. Um, the fact that these colleges have been, um, reaping the benefits uh, from the talents of all these, primarily a lot of black athletes have been pumping a lot of money into these colleges, man, across the country. And the coaches getting paid, the school is making buku bucks off their talents, but now the tables have been reversed. And I'm glad to see that. Um, I'll let you kick that off since you are a coach. Uh, you have a, a different aspect of this thing. Uh, your thoughts? I think the NCAA did a good job in allowing this to happen. The courts have went along with that. The only issue that I have, and, and, and this is this is not really an issue, it is the fact that these athletes have to be wise and have to have someone that is going to advise them to do the right thing with this cash info that they're going to get for their likeness, their jerseys, and and so on. Because that's money that's going to be coming in. And they're also going to have to be concerned about people wanting to represent them and then take advantage of them because of this you know, money that's going to be coming into them. Okay, I, I think the NCAA need to do like the NFL at the beginning of set these athletes down and say, if you're getting this money, you need to put X amount of money away. You know, you can't do this. You can't do that. You know, and look, look at how this is benefiting you in the long run. Okay. The one positive that I think that this can have, and I don't think anybody thinks about this, is I think that it will allow these student athletes to stay longer in college. Yep, that's a possibility. I I think that the byproduct of this is going to be that these athletes, not all, but the majority of those athletes are going to be able to spend four years or three and a half years or whatever it takes and come out of there with a degree. Because now it's not such a, okay, I don't need a one and done to jump into the league. You know, I can get, you know, $10 million over a four year period as if I'm one of those one of those top tier athletes, I may be able to get 10 or 12 or maybe $20 million or even more from that, those endorsements or from what the money that I can get by them using my likeness, my name, buying my jerseys and so on. Okay. So it's not going to be such a, a big leap now to say, Hey, 
as, as far as basketball goes, you know, you're one and you're done. Right, right. You know, it, it may it may help out somebody like Calipari, who, you know, he gets this, these top athletes and they're one and done, and he's recruiting somebody else. So they may want to stay a little bit longer now. Right. Okay. Right. I can see that happening. I don't know if it is going to happen, but it may allow those athletes to stay a little bit longer in in college earn a degree because they know it's not such desperate times and so on and and then go into the league you know now football is a little bit different you know football you have to declare after your sophomore you're going into your junior year and so on but you know with football you know the average um career in football is only about three years because it's so violent Right, right. Okay, now the NBA, you know, you can play longer. You know, I, I, it's probably seven to ten years in the NBA. Right, and the right. only difference in, in, in football is that, you know, quarterbacks are protected, so now they can play forever because you can't, you can't touch them. You know, you can't, you, can't, you can't tackle them. You have to tackle them a certain way. So that, that is a way that they can stay a little bit longer. Right. Baseball, you know, baseball is a sport that you can play for a long time because there's not a whole bunch of taxing on your body like football and basketball and so on. It's just a, it's a slow sport, right. you know. Right. But those are my thoughts. I think it's a good it's a good deal for them yeah. as long as as long as the kids, you know, use their um, use their um, money wisely and have somebody that's going to be there to support them and they don't take advantage of them. How about you? What's your I agree. I I think the key component of this is, is yes, you need to have somebody in your camp that's going to advise you once, once you start receiving, you know, financial compensation, you know, for signing jerseys and doing public appearances and this type of thing, somebody to advise you, to maintain that that stream of income that's now coming into you that wasn't available to you before. And I think if, you know, guys do that and, and women who the high profile women athletes, same thing, if they're able to um, to reap huge benefits from this, have somebody in your corner that's going to advise you and make sure that, uh, you know, you don't just go doing frivolous things with the money that's coming in. Mm-hmm. And I, and a point I did not think of was what you brought up. You know, this might change the tide, especially in college basketball, where guys would consider uh, you don't see a lot of women leaving, um, you know, college basketball early to go to the WNBA. I, 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 to my knowledge, I don't think it's, it's happening. Yeah. But it's mostly with the men who are the one and dones, whatnot. But as you pointed out, and I didn't think of that, you know what, this this could change uh, what we see with the landscape with college basketball now. And and it's hard to track who's on these teams because these guys don't stay but for a year and they're gone. Right. You can't develop a following with any of these teams. That could change. Uh, you mentioned Calipari. He lost pretty much his whole class, I think, from last year. He's got another stellar recruiting class coming in to UK again this year. And you know what? Maybe some of those guys will stick around uh, more than one year because the lure of the NBA, the fact that that money is out there, maybe that will change their minds. They'll stay an extra year or two, you know, get possibly get that degree and at the same time have an opportunity to earn some income if they're of that caliber to where people want them to endorse things for them and that type of thing. Everybody's not going to benefit from this. Absolutely. We always know. 
we always know the high profile guys um, will and the high profile ladies uh, will benefit from this because it's 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 a great thing, man. It's a great thing. Yep. And I think they did a uh, there was an excerpt um, when the NCAA announced this rule. They were saying, man, what if so and so back in their day had been allowed to do this? They have <laughs> yeah. been filthy rich, man. Yeah. And people have said this all along that like, come on, man, the players have to get something out of this because you're reaping all the benefits of their talents. Right. So I think it's it's now it's right. It's right, man. So can you imagine what Allen Iverson would have made if he if he'd have been allowed to, you know, get paid off of his image and likeness? I mean, he created he created a different type of um, style that, uh, you know, John Thompson didn't let him go totally crazy at Georgetown, but he was developing a certain type of style that he carried into the NBA. And so if he'd have been allowed to license his image, do things with his image during his time at Georgetown, that man, he would have been filled rich. All those all those guys all back those guys. In, back in the eighties and seventies. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just think of Magic and Bird. Yeah. Yes. You know, David Thompson, Akeem Olajuwon. Oh my God. You know, uh uh Lou Alcinder, Elvin Hayes. Yes. You know, yeah. Pist- Pistol Pete Maravich. Pete, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I mean, man. those guys when basketball was basketball right right and it was a rough it was rough and it was fun and everybody had a good time artist gilmore dr j you can just go on and on we have we have players today but they're not any any caliber of those guys from the late 80s back to the back to the mid 70s yep early early 70s there's no comparison yeah. You know, and I see stuff all the time online, you know, if you had this to pick these guys, who would you pick? You know, would you would you pick um um oh LeBron James over Magic Johnson or LeBron James over this person or you know, the the athletes today, they just you know, they take days off and shit. Yeah. You know, they they show up when they want to show up. You know, they they walk, they travel, they do all that stuff. It's just a different game. I mean, yeah. I you know, I get excited talking about when basketball was basketball when we were going through, and you know, we were playing games all the time. Yep. Yep. You know, but it's different today. You know, yeah. there was you know, they outlawed the 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 dunk for because of Kareem. They outlawed the the three point shot. You know, the yeah. the ABA brought that in yeah. and the NBA yeah. said, no, we're not going to do that, man. That's right. that's that's cheap right. stuff. It's a gimmick. <laughs> it's a it's a gimmick. It's and a now gimmick. everybody that steps on the floor, first thing you want to do is shoot a three pointer. Yeah. So those are my thoughts. I don't want to go off yeah. on it. But, yeah, no, that's, that's, you're, that's my you're, thoughts. I agree, man. I, I We're old school. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't think that means that that you can't appreciate some things about the modern game which I do. I do appreciate certain things about the modern game. It just happens to deal with the women now. Yeah. Because the women's game is pure fundamental basketball. As we've had this discussion, it's pure. 
and you sit and watch and you see those ladies, man, running those plays. They're hitting shots. It's physical. They play physical, but it's pure fundamental basketball. And it's a hell of a lot of fun to watch more than this crap that's on now <laughs> that uh, I just can't. Some of it are like, are you kidding me? Like you said, everybody wants to shoot a three. You got seven foot guys. They want to shoot a three. Giannis can't even make a free throw, but he's out here <laughs> shooting threes. I mean, give me a break. You know, and a lot of this coaches get your ass in the gym and work on your game, you know, work on your game. Man. And and a lot of the authority that the coaches have, it's gone, man, because yes. these guys make so much money yep. that uh, it, it that's gone. You can't really tell somebody to get in the gym and you need to learn to shoot a free throw. You're costing us in close games because you can't make a free throw or I can't put you on the floor in clutch situations because you can't make a damn free throw. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the so players run the NBA. The players the run the league. The owners, players yeah. run the league. Yep. So I agree, man. I, I hearken back to to that time that you just talked about, man. It was it to me it was the golden age of basketball. When basketball was basketball, it was it was clearly defined who did what on the court and you respected the game. Um, you know, I, I just I wish for those times, but I, I don't I don't find a lot of that happiness in the men's game now. I find it more watching uh, the WNBA, uh, getting getting my thrills and and watching just pure fundamental basketball. So, like you say, we we could go on and on about that because we we have thoughts about it and and I, we're dead on. We're we're right in the same vein with with how our, how we feel about that. So, it's a great day for college athletes. Uh, again, I just hope and we both concur. Somebody needs to manage uh, that process to make sure that they're not being taken advantage of and the benefits that they're reaping from a financial aspect is protected and they have something, um, you know, when they leave that institution, if they've been one of those high profile athletes, they've got that income stream that they've made. Hopefully they've got a degree out of that. And now they've got a different uh, different path to go down. If it's not to the NBA, they've got something to fall back on. So it's a great day for college athletes. Great day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Shifting our focus, um, we're going to get into a little bit of some politics, uh, as as we always find ourselves wading into. Let's let let's start first with uh, with an incident that happened um, over the weekend, and that was the assassination of the Haitian president, Jovenel Mose, uh, was assassinated this weekend. Basically, people broke into his home. Uh, the president's residence killed him, uh, shot his wife. Uh, she was severely injured, uh, but killed him. I saw in the news yesterday that possibly two Americans were involved in that. Yeah. Two Americans were involved in that. And fast forward today, and we were talking about this offline before we came on air, the situation has gotten so dire that now the Haitian government is asking for help from the U.S. Uh, to come in because things have really deteriorated in the country. Um, your thoughts, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off and then I'll kick it over to you. But we've seen how Haiti, man, has just been abused year after year after year by these industrialized nations, man. And, you know, it not just the natural disasters that have hit that country. There has been people going into Haiti, um, what's the term, uh, manipulating their government, manipulating the citizens there. And they've never been able to 
um, you know, have a stable environment there, man. Yeah. Uh, people had good intentions, but those intentions have not yielded anything positive for that nation. And as you mentioned, man, before we came on the air, uh, the Cuban boat lift back in the 70s, man, a lot of Cubans, Castro was, was, was you know, Cubans were leaving because of the Castro regime and they were coming to the U.S. and the U.S. was welcoming them with open arms. But you have the same situation, people fleeing Haiti because of, you know, dictatorship and poor living conditions, et cetera, trying to come to the U.S. And Haiti's right in our back door, just like Cuba is. And these folks are being turned away. And you and I have the same view that, that the only reason they're being turned away is because they're black. Mm-hmm. And so Haiti is in a bad situation, man. Um, you know, the U.S. Has, has contributed to a lot of the damage and the bad vibes that's going on in Haiti. So have other nations. And I don't know what the end game is for this country, man. It, you feel so bad for them. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, the the situation there is is pretty desperate. It's been desperate since yes. the beginning of the country. I mean, Haiti yep. was the first country in the Western Hemisphere to kick Europeans out. Yep of their nation. So they're the first country to declare their independence. Okay, Toussaint the Overture was a general that that led the revolt against uh, the French and they were able to gain their independence. By doing so, now we're talking about a country that was that developed that uh, was really one of the first mixed totally mixed nations in the Western Hemisphere because you had Africans, you had native people from there, you had uh, people from the the Dominican Republic, which is right next door, you had Spanish, you had all these people in one place, and it was a a nation of pluralities, okay? But They've always had a tradition of of having issues. Now, a lot of that, a lot of that comes from because militaries in Latin America has been the sole power. Yep. You know, I I uh, when I was going to Eastern, I took a, a a a class, a history class on Latin America, and there's one thing that happens that you can definitely tell it is that the military has all the power in these Latin American countries. So when the Spanish or the English or the French went to these places and colonized them, it was the military that was in charge. And then they would take the local people, the ones that were friendly to them, and put them in charge of the natives to keep them in in line. Okay. One other thing that I re- realized during this time period, and if you look, most of these Central American countries, uh, people that were, you know, we'll take Brazil, for example. You know, if you think about Brazil or you think about Cuban, you know, you got African Cubans, Brazilian, African Brazilians, and so on. But the people that are in power were the ones that the Europeans thought looked like them. So they put the lighter complexion 
brothers and sisters, mostly brothers, in charge of power in these places. Yep, yep. It's it's been that way. And my my professor, he he pointed it out. He says, if you were light, you were right in in <laughs> in um, Central and South America, yep. and that's the way it is. You know, when you yep. think about the Cubans that came over here when they fled Castro. You know, which the ones that you see that came over here were the light color ones the majority of the time. And even in the late 70s when they had that and 80s when they had those Cubans that were fleeing Castro, you know, the ones that the ones that were coming over here were the light ones because they were actually they had money. Okay, the dark complected ones, they didn't have that money to get away. It it, it goes back to social economics. Okay. Um, 1980s when the the Haitians, as you mentioned, decided to do their little boat lift the same time that the Cubans did, the United States said, you Cubans, you can come in here because we got this thing with y'all. You know, you're fighting against Castro and so on. You're you're, you're coming here to flee persecution. But you Haitians, you're only coming here for economic reasons. So Papa Bush was the one that said, oh, no, turn them back. We're not accepting them. And then the reason that we're not going to accept them, because they're only coming here for economic reasons, because, you know, they're coming here to look for jobs and stuff like that. Well, hell, you think the Cubans didn't come here to look for jobs? Right. <laughs> you know, so uh, the situation there in, in Cuba, not in Cuba, in, in Haiti, is the fact that they assassinated the president. There's chaos in the streets and they ask the United States to come in and help. Okay. They ask us now, 1915, the United States just went in and occupied Haiti. Yep. We just, we just sent the Marines there. We just sent the Marines there about three or 400 of them said, okay, we're going to kick y'all's ass. We're going to get you in shape. And then we're going to turn it back over to you. When we, when we feel that you're good enough to hold your own. And they were there until like 1934, 1935. Now, when they need help, they're asking for help. Uh, we're going to see what happens. Right. Okay. Right. If they need help, they had, they had the big earthquake in 2011, I think it was. Mm-hmm. 300,000 300, people died, yep. you know, and these people needed a place to come, and we wanted to turn them away. They were living yep. in tents. Yep. Man, the humanitarian, yep. the humanitarian response from the United States was lacking. Yeah, we did something, right. but we didn't do everything. We didn't you're do everything right. we could. That's, that's my thoughts. Go ahead. No, you're absolutely right. And I, what 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 irritates me too, man, about a lot of these countries, man, they, you know, and a lot of them, yes, they're, um, you know, in Latin America, we're primarily we're talking Haiti, but you have a you have a black ruler, you have a black ruler that's in charge of the country, be it a prime minister, king, whatever the title is. And it's like they're ruthless against their own people. Yeah, that that's what irritated me about this man. When when you talk about Haiti, you have to talk about Papa Doc and his inf- and yep. what what his influence was over that country. Yep. Because people were afraid, even though they knew that he was doing some unruly crap, they weren't going to speak up and say anything because you, odds are you're going to be dealt with, you're going to be killed or whatnot. Right. But he ruled that country, man, with an iron fist. And a lot of these African countries are the same thing, man. 
you're you're in charge of the country, prime minister, king, whatever your title is, but you're ruthless against people who look like you. And I, I, I that just I don't I've never understood that, man. Yeah, never understood yeah. that. Why can't you do right by the people? They look exactly like you. And and you're up here, you're living high on the hog, and your people are starving. And they're dealing with whatever other economic situations that aren't helpful or hurtful to them. But you you don't seem to see that because you're only worried about yourself high on your throne and whatnot. And that that that's always bothered me, man. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the it, U.S. It, it goes oh, go back to Wayne. It goes back to Papa Doc. Papa Doppelis or Papa Doc Duvalier. I can't, yeah, I can't think of it. Papa yeah. Doc Duvalier. Yes. Yes. The reason that he became ruthless because they were, you know, it's it's almost like I was oppressed when I was coming up, and these people I didn't like. Now I've taken control, and I'm not going to give up power. So yeah. in order to keep the power, you know, what comes around goes around. Yep. So that's the problem with Haiti. The, the you know, I kind of said it, you know, they need the help, whatever. However, as you mentioned, and which was rightly so, the fact that they control their own people through torture, through right. starvation, right. through violence, and the leaders of the country, we're talking authoritarian leaders, yep. Yep. we're talking they control things and they're the top dogs. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that's what happened. And usually authoritarian leaders like that, it always ends bad for them most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, you, you mentioned uh, the humanitarian response of the U.S. And it's, it's not just about Haiti. We can we can list time after time with humanitarian spo- response that the U.S. should have given right off the top when it concerned black and brown on people, they've been a little, they've drugged their feet a little bit. We see it in Haiti. We saw it in Rwanda. We saw it, you know, the genocide over there in a lot of these African countries. It's like, what are you thinking about? You need, if you're you're the all powerful, you need it. You need to intercede to help these people. And I don't, you pointed it out, man. Why do we always seem to drag our feet when it comes to helping black and brown people? Who who are not you know you U.S. This are, these are other countries, but they're black and brown people. We seem to drag our feet when it comes to providing a humanitarian response. Yeah. And so Haiti's asking for help. To me, it's like, yeah, we need to help these people. But as you said, man, well, we gotta we gotta take a look at it. Yeah, yeah. People are starving. People are dying, and it's it's chaos. You can come in there, provide help, provide stability. With all the assets available to you, and you're thinking about it, but I guarantee you, man, if this if this was Norway or Sweden or something, we'd be on it, man. We'd be on it. We'd be on it. Yeah. On it. And I, I will say this. I, I'll go and 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 say this about the two Bushes. Both Papa Bush and Baby Bush did help African countries with humanitarian issues. You know, Papa Bush helped stabilize Somalia by sending troops in. Of course, we had Black Hawk, Black Hawk Black down. Black down, yeah, but, that went but, a little awry. <laughs> yeah, that went awry, but <laughs> yeah. still, he was he was there to to help 
those people out. Okay, he also uh, did stuff in um, um, Nigeria. He helped them out. Uh, Baby Bush, uh, I mean, he was the one, the spearhead of uh, sending over um, medicines to, to, to battle AIDS, okay, and so on throughout the African continent. Uh, he, we spent a lot of money with humanitarian over there uh, with, with AIDS and so on. That was baby Bush. Papa Bush, right, right. you know, helps stabilize other, other things. But they're the only two that really did something that, that stands out is, you know, I'm going to help these folks out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Clinton did too in Bosnia, Herzegovina and stuff like that, you know. But it, they Bosnia, Herzegovina is not an African country. Nope. Okay, so you know this European and so on. So that's that's the situation that we're in, and we'll see what happens this week coming up, and maybe we can have a um, an addition to this when we talk next week and see how uh, President uh, Biden's going to respond or the State Department. Yeah. So as as a sideline to this discussion. The U.S. has pulled out of Afghanistan, or they're beginning to pull out of Afghanistan, and yep. they've, they've left Bagram. Um, and now, I, it's it's to me, it's going to be bad, man, because a lot of the uh, strides that have been made when the U.S. was there alongside the Afghans, and especially when it comes to young girls and women in that country— People are already predicting, man, that it's going to get bad really quick because the Taliban is not going to allow women and girls to go to school, to have any type of freedom whatsoever now that the U.S. is gone. What what are your thoughts on that? I'm kind of mixed on this one. Um, yeah, there's going to be some bad issues with the women and and. and education and the Taliban takes over. I, I just pray that the government can beat them back and at least yeah. be able to keep Kabul or whatever. The only other thing is, is I can see that coming out that the locals are going to take control of the game because Afghanistan has always been tribal. Yep. It will always be tribal. And if we're there for the next 500 years, it's always going to be tribal, you know. And sooner or later, they have to stand on their own feet. And as a history teacher, I used to I used to teach about Vietnam and how the Vietnamese people just wanted to be. Vietnamese. And they fought for their independence. Now, just think about this. The Vietnamese thought, fought for their independence for 3,000 years, Wayne. Wow. 3,000 years. And when the United States went into Vietnam back during World War, actually World War II, okay, they, they just wanted their independence. And at the end of World War One, when they had the uh, Treaty of Versailles, Ho Chi Minh was at the treaty and he asked, please help us gain our independence. That's all we want, because it was a French colony. Please right, help us right. gain. independence." they said and, and the French said, no, we're, we're going to hold on to it. So it gave him a reason to turn to the communist. All right. 
And the communists could say, well, sure, we'll help you. So the point I'm trying to make is, is that it took Vietnam 3,000 years to gain their independence. Now Vietnam is just Vietnam. Yep. They're not occupied by anybody else. They're not controlled by anybody else. And they were once our enemy. Over 50,000 Americans died, 300,000 wounded, trying to save a country that didn't want our help. Right, right. Now that that war is over with, they gained what they want. I think Afghanistan is the same thing. Just let them. If, if they have to kill each other off, let them kill each other off. That's their issue. I mean, right. the United States, we've been there for 20 years. I know there are people saying that, you know, uh, it's going to be a haven for, you know, people that's going to attack us again. You know, we can have somebody over there that can pop up, you know, overnight special forces or whatever and, and handle something to get the hell back out of there. But we don't have to spend all that time and money over there right. fighting right. I mean, 1980, the Russians didn't couldn't defeat them. Nope. You know. <laughs> nope. You know, and they they put in a hell of a lot more men than we did, and they couldn't defeat them. So there, it's always going to be tribal. They're always going to, you know, be that way. I, I don't want, I don't want the women to be tortured and all that, and people are murdered. I don't want that to happen. But sooner or later, I think it, it'll work itself out. It may take if the Taliban take over and come up with a government. I don't know what I don't know what to say about about that. But, you know, it's yeah. I just I'm just ambivalent. I just I'm just torn between that. Yeah, yeah. It, it would help <laughs> if we kept troops there. But then again, how long? Yeah. You know? Well, it's it, it's uh, you know I I don't think it's you know the U.S. was like you say the Russians were there for umpteen you know years doing what we've been doing and they didn't do it we haven't been able to do it and so where does the U.N. come into the mix I mean you're you're the United Nations or NATO or somebody to uh, like you well, say they're somebody, there too yeah you know somebody that can pop up. You know, every now and then. Why does it have to be U.S.? It doesn't have to be the U.S. There are bodies set up to to do this type of thing. And maybe they could pop in for humanitarian reasons, that type of thing. Uh, but, I, yeah, I agree with you, man, on, on some aspects that the Afghans are going to have to at some point stand on their own two feet. And this, and this may be their uh, this may be their moment now that the U.S. is pretty much gone now. I mean, they're pretty much gone yeah. But come September, uh, when they're going to be, that's it. Um, this is their moment of truth. And what is that going to look like? And those, oh, I'm with you, man. I pray that things do not go south where uh, women are tortured and brutalized and raped and whatever not. And their freedom is severely curtailed uh, because now you've got an oppressive regime back in charge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know why people just let people be, man. I, I don't get it. Why these these people have to have it their way and their way is the only way. What is what harm is it for you to allow a young girl to learn to read? Yes. To me, it betters your country, man. But these these people, for whatever reason, they don't see that. I, I don't know what that is, man. But the fact that a young girl learns to read and she develops independence and is able to contribute to the welfare of the country, that is somehow a threat to you. I don't, I don't yeah. get it, man. And once again, it's another another reason that people use biblical 
ideas or concepts to think that this is what this this is how it should be. Right, right. You know, uh, it's I, I I don't have much more to say. Yeah, yeah. You know, it we'll have to see what happens. You know. Yeah, we will. This is another area that that will be watched. Um, you know, as as time progresses. Uh, because the U.S. is definitely leaving. They're, they're yep. definitely leaving. And so all the training and all the money that was spent uh, to get the Afghan military up to speed where they could help defend the country, we're going to see if that money has was paid off, if the lives that were spent helping that government um, you know, stave off the Taliban, the young men and women that died over there, we're going to see if their efforts um, you know, were worth that that them being over there. So this yeah. is this going to be Afghanistan's moment of truth here. As yeah, we go I forward, just so. I just don't like the idea. I, it just it just bothers me to see these Afghani soldiers that we've trained to just quit. Yeah. Just fucking turn over their arms yeah. and just quit. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. Freaking cowards. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The Taliban's coming. Ooh, the boogeyman's yeah. coming out. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's almost it's almost like. Uh, birth of a nation the clan shows up and everybody runs away and shit you know it's it's that's that's what's the disheartening part yeah because you know our our soldiers and the british and everybody this the french the british they're all over there as well you know it's just the fact that we train these guys and then they just cut and run right yeah yeah they don't display any type of uh you know um what's the term um, courage, courage, yeah, that's it. <laughs> courage, yeah. They don't. I mean, come on, man. A lot, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears were put into these guys, and and this is how you repay those efforts of those, like you said, U.S., British, French, probably some Canadians were over there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you you're you're basically spitting in their face, man. When you just here here take my gun, I'm just I quit. It's it's going to be interesting to see what what unfolds and in, uh, in Afghanistan as as the weeks and the months go by. Now that the U.S. and I, I haven't heard about the other countries, um, the French, British, I suspect as well as as they may pull out at some point as well. So oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, if the U.S. is leaving, then I suspect they will follow suit, and uh, so we we seem to lead the parade. So, but again, um, we'll see. Uh, time will tell if if the efforts put forth uh, are going to yield um, something positive for uh, the nation of Afghanistan and its people. So let's move on. <laughs> uh, another political issue, and this one is a, is is a is a hot one as well. We all were witness to the insurrection on the 6th of January. I mean, we know what it was, and other people pretend that it wasn't. It was just tourists coming to visit the capital and all kind of other bullshit that they're <laughs> uttering. Uh, but um, there is a commission uh, that the House of Representative Nancy Pelosi has uh, authored uh, authorized a commission to be established to look at the January 6th insurrection. I think it's the right thing to do. The Republicans don't have any backbone. They have no courage to take a look at it. And the reason why they don't want to do that is because some of them are implicit in it. We know that. Uh, but uh, two Republican senators uh, are going representatives, rather two Republican um, uh, members of the House are going to participate on the committee. Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are going to be a part of that commission. 
But uh, hopefully this is going to yield what we need to know, that there were some people on the inside, I believe, or involved in this. It needs to be called for what it truly was. It truly was an act of sedition. It was an insurrection started by the former occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, pure and simple. And so hopefully they get to the bottom of that. Uh, what has happened since she announced the formation of this commission, now Kevin McCarthy, the other spineless leader uh, in the House, he's going to appoint some Republicans to this commission. He gets five, I think, appointments to the commission. And looking at some of the names he's thinking about appointing, man, this is going to be a freaking circus you know, with the people he's thinking about appointing Jim Jordan and uh, the lady that took Liz Cheney's place. I mean, all these guys are a bunch of suck ups for uh, for the former occupant. So they're, they're going to turn this into a mockery, man. Um, so I, is it going to be worth the time? I don't know if they're going to try to hijack the process by pointing people that truly don't give a damn about the outcome uh, because they're possibly going to be caught up in it. Uh, it, it's 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 another thing that disheartens you about our government right now. So your thoughts? Yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> the fact that McCarthy and his crew, you know, when when they let's go back to one six or January the sixth, when they were counting the electoral ballots, you had 136 people from the Republican side to say not to do it, knowing that all the votes had been validated. The secretary of states of all these states had uh, looked at these votes, no fraud whatsoever. And then the insurrection happens. We watch it. We see it. And then some folks say what you saw was not true. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. Like you said, they were just having a stroll through the Capitol Britannia and, and all that silly stuff. And Kevin McCarthy uh, had a representative Pelosi had a representative. I don't remember their names, but they came up with a commission. Yep. Bipartisan. Half Republican, half Democrat. Both sides would have the right to subpoena. That was all fine. They came up with their agreement. We've got a bipartisan commission. And then nutless Kevin McCarthy goes, oh, no, we can't do that now. And so we're not going to vote for anything like that. And then our dumbass counterpart down in Kentucky, you know, Yertle the Turtle, <laughs> you know, he's saying that, you know, we're not going to have anybody to do it either. You know, we're not going to vote for any commission and all that, all that mess. And so the Democrats under the leadership of Nancy Pelosi saying that we're still going to have a commission. We want to get the truth out. There are, you know, 500 people that's been arrested, more are going to be arrested. Yep. So we need to find out exactly what's happened. And Kevin McCarthy and his crew, they don't want to find out what's happening. All they want to do is throw shade 
on on the other side. They don't want to find out because they know that they're going to find that there are people within their party that are complicit. Yep. You know, there are people they don't want to. Kevin McCarthy doesn't want to testify himself because nope. supposedly he he swore at the past occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and said, you do this, you do this. Who in the hell are you talking to? You know, I am the speaker of the house, you know, yep. with little, little bitty, tiny, 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 tiny balls. Okay. Yep. And now he's, he's turned it into a circus. He is the worst. He is the worst. He's worse than Paul Ryan. He is the worst speaker <laughs> of the house we've ever had. He's a punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's oh the uh, yeah. McCarthy is the uh, he is the minority leader in the House. Yes, the minority leader. Yeah, he's the minority leader in the House. So we want to want to clarify that for people. Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. Did I McCarthy say McCarthy is the minority leader? leader? And I think if you 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 alluded to the fact he doesn't want to testify, and the fact is, if this commission is established, they could call him to testify. Because he was on a phone call with the former occupant, and I believe some of the language was, you can stop this. Yeah. <laughs> you can stop this. So what do you, I, I don't know what these characters are afraid of, man. They're all fucking cowards, man. Every one of them. They're all cowards. You know, this. you're supposed to be patriots. You're supposed to be patriots, and you love this country, and you you always waving the Constitution around how you defend it. Here's your opportunity to walk the walk and talk the talk. But no, you're going to be cowards and try to hijack the process by appointing people. He's going to appoint people, the five slots he gets. He's going to appoint these people who are beholden to the former occupant. All they're going to do is raise hell. And 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 talk a bunch of BS the whole time they're on the panel. So yep, uh, it, it's right. sad. It and is he, sad and depressing. He puts Jim Jordan on there, and all yep. he's gonna do is scream and try to yep. Like, yep. throw shade on it because yep. they don't want to get to the truth. Nope. I mean, they, I just no. I just hate I just hate ragging on Republicans, but damn, they don't want to get to the truth. Nope. Like you say, man, they they always got to find something or somebody to hate. Exactly. They always got to have that. And now it's this commission. They're against that. It's like, come on, man. It's like a broken record, man, over and over and over. They've got an issue with everything that the other side does. Not that the other side doesn't necessarily, you know, they have issues as well. But we see this time and time again with all these people who think that, well, if, if, if we do something and we think the former occupant's going to like, then they'll keep us in his good graces. What about defending the freaking Constitution, man, that you, you, you swore to uphold? That's, that's my thing. Are those, do those words mean anything to you? Yeah. Uh, apparently, they don't. Yep, yep, I know. Apparently, I know. they don't. So They don't. They, don't, they just – they are – horse's ass yep. you know and here's the sad here's the other sad part about it. these people have a salary of $174,000 a year and they ain't doing shit nope now according to my tabulations there's 538 members of congress times $174,000 a year 
that's roughly $93 million in salaries a year that we're paying these son of a guns. Yep. $93 million. That doesn't include, you know, the extra money they get for flowers and all right. this and, and so on. So we're talking, you know, over a hundred million dollars that we're paying them annually and they aren't doing anything. Mitch McConnell with his <laughs> and he he had the nerve to go back home to Kentucky and say, you know what? You're getting a whole lot of money out of this, and I didn't vote for any of it. Yep. Absolutely. Another, Absolutely. He's, he's telling them to their face yep. that I'm against you. But you still like me, and I'm gonna stick it to you. You're getting a whole lot of money, but I didn't give you a damn thing. Nope. I voted against it, and 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 the people of Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, wherever, are still voting for this clown, and he got another six friggin' years. Yeah. Come on, Kentucky, get his ass out. Yeah. Booker, beat that other punk that's up for re-election next time. Yeah. Okay, Rand Paul. Rand get Paul. his ass out one. as well. They're horrible. Yep. He's another. He's another one. Yeah, it's it's appalling, man. That uh, our former state, these people continually vote in Mitch McConnell year after year after year, and he's 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 like, yo, bend over and grab the soap, man, because he's he is he is sticking it to him, man. <laughs> and it's like, when are you guys gonna figure out that this dude doesn't give a damn about you? But they they keep voting him in, man. They just cast your vote for Mitch, man. He, that's our boy. Yeah, that's our boy. So, so we'll see what comes of the commission. I, I I'm I'm not holding my breath that um, it's going to yield some results that we can say, you know what, man, this this is the real deal because it's it, of of what's already going on. What's already going on. So we'll go through this process. They'll have hearings, I'm sure. They're not going to call the people to testify that really need to be called. They're not going to do that. They're going to evade and whatnot. It's the same old song and dance, man. And after a while, you're just like, I've started, man, to not watching the news anymore. I don't want to hear it. I'm just like, it's the same old crap, man. Yeah. Same old crap. So I used to watch Morning Joe in the morning. I haven't watched Morning Joe probably in about a week or so, man. It's, it's like you aren't you aren't telling me anything that I don't already know. Yeah, there's that, no that, there's no that, new that, news. Nope. That I, that our government is broken. You've got people who aren't interested in serving the people. They're only interested in serving themselves. Uh, we see it time and time again. And why? Why, why? why do I need to watch you people telling me stuff that I, as a private citizen, already know about this country that you've got, like you say, man, people getting paid buku bucks and they ain't doing a damn thing for this country, man. Yep. So we'll leave it at that unless you have additional comments. We'll leave it there and 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 move on to something that's really fun to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Let's move, let's on. move on and we'll talk about that. Great event this week. Great event this week. And I, I used to watch this man event on uh, on TV when I when it would get down to the to the later rounds and, and watch these amazing kids 
um, you know, spell these words. And I'm like, I've never even heard of this word. And they're spelling these words. And I'm like, it was amazing. And so this year, Scripps National Spelling Bee was held um, last weekend, last week. The winner was a young black lady. Do I, do I, I'm like, really? A young black woman won this thing? (laughs) Unbelievable. Uh, Zalia Avant-Garde won the Scripps National Spelling Bee, man. And I, man, that is a hell of a feat. And some of the words she spelled, I'm like, like you said, man, I never even heard of these words. <laughs> hey, I, I am I am the worst speller. Man. Even with spell check, I screw right. up, man. You know, there's something in something in my brain that goes wacky when it comes to spelling sometimes. Wow. But she <laughs> did it. Yeah, she did it. Uh, she won the National Spelling Bee. Uh, I'm just, man, this is this is incredible. It's it's a it's. Man, it's huge uh, for not just for her and her family, but I, I'm hoping, man, that this will inspire other black kids uh, to see that, hey, you can be smart, man, and you can be successful in this in this world, man. You know, don't don't let people talk you out of, you know, wanting to acquire knowledge and use it in a manner that's going to propel you to heights that you probably never dreamed of. Uh, it's not selling out. It's not being white. It's it's about being being uh, uh, successful. That's part of success, man, is right. education. That's my view on it. Yep. And so yep. I'm really happy for this young lady and her family. Your thoughts, man, your thoughts. Well, the thing that's really surprising also, Wayne, is that she's able to live in both worlds. She's an yes. athlete. And she's a great speller, and she spends as much time learning words as she does learning how to dribble. Yep. And from my understanding, she holds like three or four Guinness World Records on yep. on um, juggling and dribbling yep. basketballs. Yep. And she's a she's a baller. Yep. I saw she's some a, of her highlight tape. I'm she's like, a baller. This girl can play. <laughs> this girl, you you heard it right here. July the 11th, 2021, that this young lady is going to be in the WNBA. I see it. She's got skills right now that's going to – she's going to be somebody's point guard in the WNBA. She's going to go to college anywhere she wants. Absolutely. Okay. And so she's going to be in the WNBA someday. I'm telling you, we may not be around to see it, but it's happening. We've got documentation right now because of this podcast. Yep. You know, there's a there's a a young lady right now that's running in the Olympics that's from Indianapolis. She went to Pike High School and I was coaching track and field. I knew about her when she was in the second grade because she was running track and becoming junior national champs in track and field when she got to the middle school. She's beaten everybody in the county. And Indianapolis has got a hell of a track program in Marion County, Indianapolis. And she was whooping everybody. And she made it to high school. I went, damn, I'm going to have to, she's going to beat whoever I put up against her. She's going (laughs) to whoop them. And so she's the only person in the history of Indiana State track and field to win the 100 the 200 and the 400 every year she was in high school. Wow. 
and now wow. she's she's on the four by four Olympic team. Wow! So that is awesome. So uh, Miss Avangard, she's gonna be she's gonna be oh, in yeah. the WNBA. I see it coming. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it, it it is a fact. I believe it. I, I saw her and I, and on her highlight reel playing ball. I'm like, whoa! This this young lady has skills, man. Yeah. <laughs> She has skills. She can shoot. She can dribble. Yeah. So she 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 has a tremendously bright future, man. It's and and again, I I hope that inspires other black youth uh, to like, man, it's okay to pursue excellence, man. It's okay to do that. Whatever you're going to do, pursue that excellence, man. Don't let your buddies talk you out of pursuing excellence because you know they think man you're being white or you're selling out that that that, that garbage needs to needs to stop man yeah. it needs to stop you know our kids need examples they need to see that like you know hey this is what you can do when you apply yourself yep they need to see that so this young lady is a shining example of that wish her nothing but the best uh, as she moves forward man because now <laughs> the opportunities are are amazing uh, that she has opened to her now. So I, I know her family is going to support her every step of the way. Uh, the future is tremendously bright for Miss Avant-Garde. So kudos. Studying, hey, studying seven hours a day. I'm dead. Tell me about it. <laughs> and going to school and juggling. Yes. And playing basketball. Yeah. She yeah. knows how to manage her time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So side sideline. You mentioned uh, this young lady, track and field. We have to throw this in, man. What are your thoughts on Sherry Carey? Uh, is it Richardson? Is that her name? Sherry yeah. Carey Richardson. Not being able to run in the Olympics because she she smokes some weed. And, uh, you know, marijuana is a banned substance by the IOC. Your thoughts, man, uh, before we wrap this up on uh, her not being able to participate in the Olympics as the fastest woman in American track and field right now. She screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She screwed up. Hey, the rules are the rules. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I mean, if she lives in Colorado and, and smoking weed is oh, fine. Or, That's Oregon. fine. Or yeah. Oregon or yeah, California or, or wherever they they say that you can smoke uh, pot or whatever recreationally, yeah. however. But if it's against the rules of the games, then you right. have to right. you have to deal with the rules of the games. Yeah. And she admit I. I admit, yeah. she yeah. admitted, yeah. I, I screwed up. Yeah, I applaud, okay. I applaud her for, for hey, standing up for that. That was tremendous, man. She she did that. I screwed yeah. up, you know. And, you know, she was, to me, looking at the trial, she's wound tight anyway. And in, in order to be in track and field, you got to be wound tight, man. Yeah. I mean, because it's, you can't go and hide in track and field. Nope. On a basketball court, you got four other people that you can blame. On a football team, you got a ten, ten other, other people, people right. you can you can blame. But in track and field, you can't hide. Nope. Either you win, you come in first or second, or you bring it up the rear. There's no hiding from that. So you have to have the attitude that you know I'm I'm going to beat you. Yeah. I'm going to do what I can. And you have to track people either have to be openly cocky or have a lot of self um, self pride that they don't talk and they just kick your ass. 
yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you have you get it all. I mean, I've coasted all. I I, I had track runners, and I'm standing. And this is quick. A couple quick stories. I had a track a, a sprinter, and he was one of my top sprinters. And we go to uh, Warren Central High School, and they're having something. And people were cocky, and he was standing there. And this guy said, walked up to him in his face, and I'm standing right beside him. He goes, "Hey, Nick, first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna roll you. I'm gonna light you. Then I'm gonna smoke you." <laughs> <laughs> and, and and my athlete looked at me and went, "Huh?" I said, "Okay." And then when when they got in the blocks. My guy beat the shit out of me. <laughs> he got smoked. Wow. That's that's one story. Another story is we were. This is a kid that was uh, from Columbus North, and he never said a word. He was a distance runner, and when we walked into the conference meet, conference meet lasts probably five hours. He was jogging. Took his sweats off and he ran the mile, won the mile. He put his sweats back on and all he did was jog. He never said a word to anybody. He just was running around, just jogging. Right. Came up to the 800. He won the 800. <laughs> he put his sweats back on and just jogged. Never said a word to anybody. I'm saying, man, look at Christian over here. He just jogged. Came up to the 3200, took his sweats off, beat everybody there. <laughs> and then the last race of the night, he ran into four by four, never said a word. At the end of the race, they were getting trophies. He was out jogging. Hmm. Wow. He, he, ended, he ended up running for Michigan. Wow. Okay. And so in track and field, you get now Richardson. She is all out 100 miles an hour. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. That's the way she is. That's her personality and so right, on. Right. You know, the two stories that I just put in there is you got both. You got some that are really, really outgoing and so on. And, and others that never say a word and just silent assassins and just right, kick your right. ass. But that's that's how it goes. The, right, right. the other key is, and I know I'm making this longer than we should be, the other key is the rule says that you can't do it. So if you do it and you get caught, yeah. you get you have yeah. to suffer the consequences. She's young. She'll be back. I, it's going to hurt the United States. Absolutely. It's going to hurt the United States when you got your fastest people there. And, you know, you know, we may surprise some people, but it'd be somebody else that's doing it. Right. Right. You know, yeah, yeah unfortunate. Um, but like you say, she's young. She's already said she'll be back next year on the on the competition, you know, the that leads up to, you know, the the those national competitions, whatever. Yeah, she'll be back. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate um, that, uh, you know, it happened. And but you applaud her for being a stand up person and say, hey, I screwed up. Nobody else. I screwed up. So. Yep. You have to be what it is, man. Got to be what it, it is. What it is. What it is. Hey, one final thing, man, before yes. we wrap this thing on. I, yes. According to my chronometer, we've been doing this for about an hour and 10 minutes. Yes. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that normally we broadcast from two, two different parts of the world. <laughs> and you broadcast out of uh, Colorado Springs, and I broadcast out of Indianapolis, which is, you know, about 900 miles, 1,000 yeah. miles apart. Yeah. 
Well, last weekend we happened to be in the same place at the same <laughs> time, and we were back in we were back in our old stomping grounds, E Town, and we went we met in <laughs> I'm not going to mention the county, but it's a little <laughs> north of Hardin County, between Hardin County and Jefferson County, and we met and had dinner there with the the, the crew. Yep, you know, yep. uh, that we kind of grew up with, you know, and we had a great time. And after that, we went down to the old um, uh, Mulberry Helm building that has now been converted to a uh, winery bistro type place. And we hung yep. out there for an hour or so, just had a great time. And then the next day, I mean, you had some family things to do, but we right, had right. breakfast, breakfast out at Cracker Barrel. And then uh, we just had a great time, man. We just, I, I think we, as we get older, uh, we just need to do it more often, folks that uh, need, to, need to come back into town. And the one thing that I do, uh, I have uh, have thoughts about that I didn't get a chance to do is that when I got back to Indianapolis and I looked on Facebook and I saw that um, uh, Carl, uh, Carl Green was back in E-Town at the same time. And uh, do you know Carl? You remember Carl Green? I don't remember that name. Well, he he uh, grew up with Richard Thomas. Okay. And he went into the Air Force. He spent a career in the Air Force. But they lived right up there on Harden Street. And we're good friends to, you know, you know me and our family and stuff like that. Well, he was in town uh, this past weekend also visiting Richard because he lives in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. Okay. And if I would have known that he was in town, I would have made a point to stop by and see him because we always communicate with one another on Facebook and so on. Okay. okay. But anyway, uh, that's just a side note. Uh, what did you think about this this past weekend oh, and your your time just, back home? <laughs> yeah, it was awesome, man. It's like you say, man. It's always good to go back and again, the bulk of my family is still there. So when when I go there, it's like, man, we know we're going to have a great time. And as a added bonus was everybody's close proximity. Yourself, Lynn, Joey, Sharon was there, and then my brother and his wife, the old crew, as we say, we all were able to get together and fellowship and have a good time. And uh, it was tremendous, man. I was there for two weeks um, and, you know, visiting family, you know, doing some things, visiting a friend of ours that uh, you may not have grown. You know him, uh, but your relationship him may be a little different than mine was. But he was in the hospital, so got a chance to visit with him and check in on him and see how he's doing and everything. And so it was great, man. It was it was it was good to be home. Good to be with family. Good to be with friends. We always have a good time when we get together. So that's good. I do want to add before I before we wrap this up and shut this down for the night. It's it's like there are some things, man, that uh, that never change. And then <laughs> we, we we reflected on that as we were sitting at the bistro. Um, man, it's like the town seems to be the town is changing, but it's changing, I think, in a direction that leaves out the black folks in the community. That's just and and uh, that's what I see. I see that that the changes that are being made, they're leaving out the black folks in the community. That's just my opinion. And um, you, we saw that. I think we were at the bistro. We go in, 
there what there were there were eight of us that walked in at one time yeah. you know four couples walk in at the same time and you know we're all black and you know Sharon she's she's white but she's Sharon's one of us you know yeah <laughs> and um but we all walk in and it's like whoa um and I just the vibe was was what it was yeah but I just feel that what's going on and there is change afoot in our old hometown but a lot of the change I see it's it's geared more toward the white citizens of the community and the black folks are getting left out. Yeah. That's just my opinion. And okay. uh, is something needs to to be done to change that. And I'm not sure what it is. Um, you maybe need some new voices or you need some voices that speak louder to say, hey, we need some things here that benefit us and we can participate in. You know, that type of thing. And I, I right now, I, I did not see that in the two weeks I was there. So yeah. otherwise, great time, man. It was great. Good to be there. Uh, it's it's our home. It's where we got our, as we said before on this podcast, we got a lot of our uh, foundation from growing up there. A lot of people spoke in our lives and we're grateful for it. But as you go back, time after time you do go back, you want to see things change a little bit. And I'm not right. seeing that. I'm yeah. not seeing that from the black perspective there. So those are my thoughts. Yep. Uh, anything additional you want to add? Yeah, it's, I, I feel the same as you. You know, it's always good to go home. And E-Town will always be home. I don't care where I'm at. E-Town is always going to be home. And those voices that need to speak up, they just don't speak up. We don't, ha- we don't have the leadership from our community that we used to have and a lot of the people that was in that leadership or the people that would speak up were in between us, our parents and us. Right. And all of those people have moved away or have passed on. And so there's nobody there now that is making noise. It doesn't have to be, you know, shouting at people, you know, showing up at the city council and say and saying, you know, you're going to be building all this stuff up here off of Glendale Road. You're taking away these people's property. What are you providing for the people that are just across the bridge over there in the projects? Yeah. Okay. What are you providing for the people that live in the bottom? That's on. What are you providing for the people that live on? On the east side of the east side of the tracks, yeah. you know, you're not you don't have any grocery stores out there. You don't have any. The, I think they're supposed to be bringing back the motel or hotel or something yeah. out there, but yeah. you're not really helping that that group of people out. You know, they're all citizens of E Town. They're all paying taxes, but they're not getting any benefits out of it. And right. I don't understand, you know, why. Hell, I still pay taxes for E Town. Right, you have property there. I have have property there, you know, and so, you know, they're not getting any benefit out there. You know, you know, people like James, people like Bushead, they should be they should be standing up and saying, "Hey, this is this is what's happening." Other people there, you know, Jan and it, you know, people that we were there that grew up with us, you know, don't let them off the hook. 
Okay, mm-hmm. now, you know, everybody lives on my side of the track. A lot of those people live on my side of the track, but there's people on the east side of the track that should be going to these city council right. meeting and saying, hey, you know, you're building a new J.J. Newberry's and all this stuff downtown. What else are you doing? Right. You know, right. we come into, you come into town and every hotel is taken up by baseball and soccer and football. Yeah. Well, where's, where's that money going? Right, right. Why aren't you doing right. that? Why aren't you helping the other side of the town out? You right. know, attract right. more people to to those exchanges off of sixty five. Right. That's right. my thoughts. Yeah. No, it 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 just it just irked me, man. This this particular trip, I'm like, what the hell, man? And, and it's just, I don't know, man. It's just there has to be something to to change. Um, the environment there and i i don't know man it, we may go back here or there i'll probably be going back a bit more uh to visit um you know my parents are getting up in age now and so i may be going back to visit more frequently than i used to in the past now that i'm i'm in the realm of retiree <laughs> so <laughs> amen um but uh it, it was it was just like man you know you you got all these things going on downtown the little coffee shops the little boutiques and whatnot and it's like, okay, what's where? Where's the black businesses? Where you know, other than the the brother that owned the winery, um, um, the barber shop downtown. Um, um, uh, brother uh, Damon has a barber shop downtown there uh, that I went to. Um, beyond that, man, I I didn't see a lot of businesses uh, yeah. in that are black owned, or what's what projects are going on they're going to benefit the black folks in in, in elizabethtown i just didn't see it yeah so, which benefits everybody yeah it should be everybody should have a stay in it um i don't mention man they had a concert the friday night part of the fourth they had a concert down in the square it was a country and western there's nothing wrong with country and western music but it's like the majority of folks that come to country western they ain't black folks okay <laughs> what do you, what what event are you going to have down in the square that draws a diverse crowd or like have something for the black folks, have some jazz, some hip hop. I mean, something, man. I, I I just didn't see it the whole the whole two weeks I was there. I didn't yeah. see it. I didn't yep. see it. Yep. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, we have uh, we're at the bottom of the by the hour now. So good discussion, good lively discussion, and it's always good. And uh, we we say it like we see it, and we leave it at that. And and that's that's the way we've we've done this podcast from the beginning. We'll continue to do so. So that's all I have for tonight, my friend. Uh, just want to add uh, before we depart that it was it was always great. We're looking forward to seeing you guys this weekend. You're coming out this way, yes, sir. See you this weekend. You're coming out to visit your daughter. We're going to tag up Saturday uh, up at eleven twelve thousand feet in Winter Park. <laughs> Be ready for that. <laughs> I'm yeah. starting to work on my my internals right now. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta be right, man. Otherwise, it will overcome you. So, yep, yep. looking forward to that. So, uh, that is all we have for tonight. Uh, in the words of the great King King T'Challa, Wakanda forever. I'm Wayne for Cross the Tracks podcast. And in the words, I'm I'm changing it up now. I'm going to end with this: If you have a voice. Use it. People, get out there and vote. We got to vote. We can't rest on our laurels. We have to get out and vote. They're trying to do everything they can to take our votes away or make it harder for us to vote. We just have to get in the habit of doing it. Okay? Get in the habit of participating 
in your local elections, the local city councils, and let's make this place much better. That's all I've got. All right. Until next time, with three strikes, one, two, three, we're out. We're out. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are of those of the individuals and do not reflect on the official policies or positions of any government or corporation.